we're all here to make a difference in other people's lives. You know, so it's, it's not necessarily specific trials, but it's those people that we interact with. If we can bring a grad student on or even an undergrad student and change their life, just that personal contact made all the difference in the world. So I think, you know, the, the biggest thing is that if we can make that difference in those, in those people's lives, and, and we see the same thing in extension. And, and uh, you know, when you can help somebody out, that, that's a really good feeling. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention, AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production, Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance, every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool, just all. Always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about NutriQuest. NutriQuest delivers targeted breakthrough solutions to animal producers via nutritional and non-nutritional products, services, and technologies. At NutriQuest, we believe in ingenuity inspired by service and that our success comes from helping producers realize improved profitability through optimized technologies and efficient operations. Dr. Bob Feller, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me part of this program. It's a pleasure to have you here. I remember watching your seminar one day at K-State on uh, fecal samples and the meaning of life. So that was amazing. I loved it. Great topic. And we can dive into that here shortly. But before that, uh, just if you can share your journey for those that are not familiar with you. Uh, which probably only a few people. Right. Well, thank you. Yep. Actually, I'm a, a native of South Dakota, grew up in, in South Central South Dakota. Uh, came to SDSU, got my bachelor's degree here in uh, 1982. And that was the uh, beginning of the farm crisis and not very many jobs available. And, and luckily, uh, Dr. Rick Wallstrom asked me if I was interested in grad school. Uh, got my master's here in 84 in swine nutrition. And then, uh, then luckily, uh, Jim Nelson contacted me and uh, went and got a PhD at Kansas State, which was a, a tremendous experience. You know, both the, uh, the animal science department as well as grain science with the feed milling. And then uh, Dr. Walson retired in '88, uh, which opened a position here back at SDSU for me. And my wife and uh, Karen and I came back, and we've been here ever since. So it's it's been a great ride. That's that's awesome. So what's you know, how does fecal sample relate to the meaning of life? You know, I, I think it's in, in a lot of different ways, because especially in grad school, I mean, you, you end up doing some stuff. It's, it's some, some pretty crappy jobs, pardon the pun, but, uh, you know, you, you do it because you have to do it. It's things that I've got to do to check off, off the box. And uh, I think uh, as, as part of things in grad school that you, you may not appreciate the time, but after you leave, 
you realize the importance of it. So, okay, that the, the important was, thing wasn't how I learned to do fecal samples, but here's the things that I need to do to do a job well. And here's what I need to know to answer that question even deeper. It's, it's not a, a, a yes or no answer. You need to do this or you don't need to do this. It's you need to do this and here's why. Because part of you know anything good in an extension or tech service of teaching is explaining the why. So you can help those people become critical thinkers, lifelong thinkers, because as, as we all know, I mean, life changes, pork production changes. And just because an answer is right today doesn't mean that answer is gonna be right tomorrow. And so we've gotta train our students to, uh, to understand the scientific method and understand that, that today's answer may not be the, the right answer tomorrow. I love it. It's, it's, I mean, I remember 2005, my first internship, I was cleaning, you know, scrapping the pens and, and I just, I enjoyed it. I mean, for, for what it was, you know what I mean? It, it, like you said, you're just putting, you're making deposits. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and the other great thing is if you're, if you're doing some of those jobs with people, you know, your fellow grad students, then that, that just increases that bond of friendship. And, and we all know that I've been fortunate enough to be in grad school. Those are some of the closest friendships you're ever going to have. Right. It's probably similar to folks, uh, to some degree, to folks that went to war together. You have that bond. It is, you know, we, we kind of actually, I was talking about uh, five minutes ago with a potential grad student here. I mean, it's the, it's the band of brothers concept. You know, I mean, you're on, on Christmas, Christmas morning, you're all out there taking fecal samples, not, not because you want to, but that's because what that trial requires and you, you do form that, uh, form that bond. And it, when you look back at it later, it's, it's certainly a great investment. What are ways that you've found to, to improve, um, yourself but also students uh critical thinking you know uh i think you know one of the things that we can do is uh is incorporate as many case studies as many real world examples as as possible and and one of the things that we we try to do here at sdsu in a lot of our classes is is bring in our, our local producers you know uh we've got a lot of great pork producers in south dakota you know, we are 45 minutes away from Pipestone, Minnesota, and, and a lot of those folks are alumni, and, and they're going to come in and, and share their expertise. And so, uh, you know, it does two things. It's, uh, it helps them, uh, you know, to rate, relate with those respected professionals in the industry, and those professionals share, hey, here's what happens in real life. And, and it goes back to that vehicle collecting thing. You know, you may think it's the dumbest thing in the world to have to learn this in animal science. Well, let me tell you, you know, when you get out and have to make this decision that millions of dollars are resting on, you're going to be very thankful for you had this class. Right. I love it. I love it. And as you look at your career, and I think you were very humble when you uh, shared your, uh, you know, your journey. I mean, you're distinguished alumni from K-State and, and many other awards um, over the years. Um, what, what do you think or what work or research that you are most proud of? You know, when I, when I take a look at that, uh, it's, it's a lot of different stuff. Uh, probably, you know, it's, it's not any individual trial. It's, it's a difference you make in young people's life. And, you know, it, it's one of the benefits of getting older. You, you kind of kick back and, and think a little bit. And actually, my wife and I were talking about that the other day. You know, Ever since we're born, you know, you're taught to achieve. You want, you want to be the best in school. You want to be the best in sports. You want to be the best in music. And then you go professionally 
you want to really achieve there, right? You know, and then when you become a faculty member, well, you've got to get these grants, you have to get these pubs, you have to do these things to get promoted in tenure. And it seems like I have to do all these things for me. And uh, the thing that that finally, I'm a slow learner, but that, that finally clicked me, I mean, you know, God didn't put me here to, to make me get all these awards or do these things. I mean, I'm here, we're all here to make a difference in other people's lives. You know, so it's, it's not necessarily specific trials, but it's those people that we interact with. If we can bring a grad student on or even an undergrad student and change their life. You know, uh, one of the, uh, one of the professors that was here, Dr. Dan G, longtime livestock chicken coach, internationally known and respected. And when I started in extension, it was amazing the number of people I would talk to that how Dr. G changed their life here at SDSU. And it would be a simple thing, you know, having them in class and you can, you can, you can sense when kids are struggling, you know, and Dan would reach out, have them stop in the office and just that personal contact made all the difference in the world. So I think, you know, the, the biggest thing is that if we can make that difference in those, in those people's lives and, and we see the same thing in extension and, and uh, you know, when you can help somebody out that that's a really good feeling. I love it. I mean, I can easily relate to, several folks that were pivotal in my career and that makes total sense any insights there um as far as you know maybe advice for younger faculty members anything that you've noticed as far as something that really helped on that connection but also created that impact to the students yeah you know i think uh and it and it's it's one of those other lessons i i learned the hard way you know uh we always want to have the answer, right? You know, we're, we're the sage on the stage and a student comes up with a problem, boom, you know, here's the answer and okay, we're done. You know, uh, we got to listen. You know, uh, the question they may be asking you is not the real question. You know, it, it might go deeper than that. So and instead of quit listening when they halfway got the question because we've already got that answer, let them go all the way with the question. And, and visit about it and, and really try to take it deeper. And, but the key, the key thing is listening, Marcio. I mean, we, we're in a society, we're in a world now where people really don't spend a lot of time listening to each other. You know, I mean, we, we know what we wanna say and we wanna say it now and you damn well better agree with it, but uh, we need to listen to those students and, and, and hear what's important to them. I love it. And it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you, sometimes you turn on the TV and you have, like you said, very short, uh, people are trying to get their point across very sh shortly. And uh, that's what I really enjoy about this kind of longer form type of, of conversation as well to really get, you, you know, your insight and every, every guest's insight on, on that. So I love it. What else? Uh, what else, uh, Dr. Tyler? I mean, you've, I guess uh, I want to touch a little bit on nutrition. So what you know, you've done some early work there on folic acid in, in cells, right? Um, right, yeah. And so can you share a little bit about that, uh, what you found there? Sure. You know, that was actually, you know, <clears throat> we started back in, yeah, probably about 1986, 1987. And that's, you know, that's the other thing about grad school. You, you really need to work together as a team. And, and the reason why I say that, so uh, Mark Nuka was in grad school at the same time. And actually, you know, Mark had done a seminar on folic acid and he was pretty excited about starting to do some of that stuff. And he was working with Gary Ali. And then uh, for whatever reason, you know, Dr. Ali and Dr. Nelson and, and, and Paul, Dr. Maxson were there and they somehow Jim got the folic acid study. 
you know, and so then that became my project. And and Mark, instead of being upset, hey, I had this cool idea, you know, he was he was a great friend and, and helped out. So, but anyway, so we started that because not much work done on folic acid. We looked at 0, 0.1.5 and I think 4.5 grams per ton, both in gestation and lactation. And as you'd expect, you know, we did we did see a nice response in it. And uh, and uh, that's that's where it went. And so I think it's, you know, something used in the industry, but but as we talked about before, you know, th those, those answers change, you know, and, and, you know, in my nutrition class that I talked to the students, you know, five years ago, or even today, if somebody asks you about creep feeding, you know, are you going to creep feed? No, you know, we're weaning at 19 days, we're weaning at 21, there's no need to creep feed. Well, as we look at our weaning age getting higher and higher, and there's a lot of systems going to 25 days of age, we got sows producing 35, 40 pigs per sow per year. Yeah, all of a sudden that answer is going to change. And now we, we need to look at doing research uh, on maybe we need to creep feed again. Right. And it's funny that you say that because they interview uh, Dr. Romel Sulavo that worked oh, with you. Right. Uh, he's yeah. a famous, a famous jackrabbit, you know, so. Yeah, exactly right. And he's, I, I joke, uh, he's, he probably has half of the creep feeding research done uh, earlier, earlier in the day. So, and exactly to what you said, I mean, winning age increasing and removal of antibiotics. So very interesting, right? Things change. Yep. Yep. And, and you made a good point about Ramel because I mean, I, I know this is, this is pretty, pretty, not necessarily philosophical, but just, you know, basically here's all the mistakes I have made in my life. You know, and I remember when I uh, went to Kansas State, the swine grad office was full. You know, the, the swine nutrition group was full and I was placed in the international students office. And I was a redneck from South Dakota and I thought this was the world's worst thing that could happen to me, you know, and actually it was one of the world's best things for me. I got to know Dr. Def Ali very well. He's a really good friend of mine. Uh, a couple guys, uh, Norman Ramos uh, from the Philippines, and actually, he was really high up in, in San Miguel. But all of a sudden, you get to meet these really great people from all over the world. And so, again, I mean, when, especially for students, both undergraduate and graduate, if you have the opportunity to, to interact with some international students, take that chance. I mean, you are going to learn so much more about them as well as yourself. And uh, you, when you look at some of the sacrifices those people made just to get a college education and, and to be here, and then what's, what's really cool, I mean, if you look at Dr. Lee, you know, I mean, he is the godfather of swine nutrition in China. And so to, to be able to interact with people like that and, and, you know, as well, those friends that you make in grad school, you, you maintain forever. You know, and I still get to see Lee at least once a year, you know, pre-COVID, mm -hmm. uh, we got to do that. So, you know, take advantage of those opportunities with international students because you'll learn so much more. And, and the other thing, there's more to swine nutrition than corn and soybean meal, as, as most of the rest of the world knows. Right, right. Um, is there something that, this is something I, sometimes I try to pull out of uh, the gas in the show, is something that you strongly believe um, that many people might disagree. Uh, and I have a few of my own, right? But I want to know from you, is there something that you're like, man, I disagree with most people about this topic. Is there something about that? Huh. You know, that, uh, not really off the top of my head, you know, uh, you know, we, we talked, well, we talked about that a little bit before too, you know, and, and you did on your, and your excellent webinar on nutrition there, you know, one, one study does not an answer make, 
you know, you, there's got to be a series of studies and, you know, and unfortunately, as, as we've gotten into the mode at, at land grants of having to have sponsored research, you know, we, we tend to get really excited if we see the positive results from one trial, you know, and, and again, you, you need a lot of different trials showing the same thing bef before you can do that. So, and I think the other thing we really have to be careful about is that we get outside the nutrition silo. Okay, you know, because again, we can find something that works wonderfully as a feed ingredient and, you know, it's, it's going to make us an extra five bucks a pig, but uh, you take it to the carcass standpoint and if it messes up the carcass or the eating experience or from the other side, I mean, you think about the early days of DDGS. I mean, how many feed mills were in love with the idea of putting DDGS in diets? And so if you do anything that screws up on the feed milling side, uh, we may not think that initially that has anything to do with nutrition, but it has everything to do with the overall profitability of that farm. And so again, you need to look at that whole uh, panorama of things that influence pork production and not just nutrition. And again, that's what I think was one of the best things about uh, Kansas State University was not just their incredible swine nutrition program, but the opportunity to spend time in, in the grain science department and learn more about feed milling. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a great program on, on that. And um, what what other areas of research has your group uh, be, been working on in the last few years, um, Dr. Dollar? Yep, you know, uh, Dr. Crystal Levesque has done a, a lot of really good stuff on on the south side. Certainly, looking at different levels of amino acid. Actually, she's doing some stuff that is uh, validating the NRC model for sows, whether or not that that's still correct. And, uh, you know, when Dr. Tafuko Oyengo was here, he did a ton of stuff uh, looking at alternate feed ingredients, a, a lot of different additives and, and those kinds of things. Unfortunately, he is in, in Denmark now at, at one of the universities, but uh, the great news is we're gonna be able to fill that position. So if there's any, any uh, aspiring swine nutritionists who want a great job in, at South Dakota State University, please be, be looking for that. Uh, Dr. Ryan Samuel has done uh, some stuff at our offsite 1200 head commercial lean to finish barn. You know, I've done some water work. We've done some interesting space work uh, there as well. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we're just wrapping up right now that was really pretty cool was our above ground burial research. You know, again, we started it in, the, in June of uh, 2019. Again, if we get African swine fever, foreign animal disease where we have to have mass uh, euthanization, how are we going to handle those, those carcasses? And uh, so working with Dr. John McMain from Ag Engineering, we're able to do that. And so those are, those are some of the things that, that have, have turned out really pretty well. Uh, we worked with our meat science group. Uh, we looked at uh, feeding 0, 20, 40, or 60% DDGS from either a, a cold fermentation plant, hot fermentation plant, and again, not only looked at, at growth performance, but everything on the carcass. And uh, we were fortunate enough, Smithfield, uh, you know, 40 miles down the road in Sioux Falls, uh, was, work, was great to work with. We got, car, we got uh, loins, we got bellies, we we're able to do a lot more analysis with that. So, you know, that's uh, some of the stuff that we're doing. And again, it's, it's nice at a smaller university is uh, you have to work together you're not going to get anything done. And so we've got great colleagues in, on the meat science side and ag engineering over in vet science. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to work together. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, 
let's get a little philosophical here. I know you like it. I like it too. So as you looked over the last few years or several years, um, we've, we have, we had a few innovations in our industry, in our industry, but do you think we are doing, we are having enough innovation? And when I say that more like radical innovation rather than just an incremental, you know, yeah, I got a little bit, but do you think we have enough of that or, or not? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we are, you know, and, and I, I talked to the students about actually just the, uh, on uh, Wednesday. And, you know, so again, if I'm an Alanco, if I'm a Zoetis, I take a look at Paling, you know, and uh, here's a product that Alanco spent years and hundreds of millions of dollars getting approved. It's safe. It's efficacious. I mean, it does all these wonderful things, but just due to consumer preference, mainly international, nobody uses it anymore. And so why, why would I want to dump hundreds of millions of dollars into research and development, find a, a product that works well that I may not be able to use? And so that, that's pretty disconcerting to me, you know. Uh, on, and unfortunately, in, in society, especially in, you know, in the United States, uh, science really doesn't rule anymore. It's, uh, you know, everybody knows how to play the, the hot button game and use emotion instead of facts. And, and we know a scientist it's, it's really frustrating when we have really solid science saying this is safe or whatever, and, and, and people ignore it and would rather focus on the emotional part. So, you know, from an industry standpoint, I think you're exactly right. We've, uh, that, you know, uh, that concerns me a lot. But the other thing that we've got to do would certainly be on the non-nutritional side, but it's in, in the barns. Because again, you know, we can't get enough labor in those barns. So again, I mean, you hear there, I mean, there's companies obviously working on, on automatic power washing systems. So basically we've got to find automation ways that all the crappy jobs and hog barns that people don't want to do, how can we find another way to get that done? So we're going to, if we want to keep good people and we do in those barns, uh, how are we going to make their life better? And so we, we, we need a lot more technology in that area. And, and I don't know what it's going to take. Is it going to take another breakthrough on, on, on that side to make that work? But, but we're going to have to. I love it. And I always uh, dream about the day that we might have some Silicon Valley level engineers working in our industry, but it's a tough one to compete. Just, you know, uh, compete with the technology industry and the, and the finance type of industry. It is, you know, and especially, you know, when, when pork's a commodity product, you know, so what do we, if you're going to survive, got to be that low cost commodity product. So if I have to invest, you know, $150,000 in my barn to utilize this technology, where's that payback going to be, you know, may or may not be an animal performance, but it's going to be keeping that good staff that you have. I mean, you look at Dr. Benny Mode at University of Nebraska, Lincoln, I mean, some of the stuff that he's doing you know, from the computer standpoint, being able to individually monitor every pig in a pen of 20. And uh, well, yeah, right now it may not be practical, but all it takes is a great people in Silicon Valley to make that widget better. And so some of those other things that, that again, we rely on people to do, uh, they may be replaced, you know, and again, they can be, they can focus on other jobs. Right. You mentioned a good point there in, 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 What's your insight on, and I struggle with this, which is we always think about precision agriculture or, or uh, precision nutrition. 
And very often, the, more often than not, the pigs remind us that they are very resilient. And I just revealed an abstract for Midwest uh, animal science meetings. And one more time, you know, two diets was just enough in the finishing phase um, from a performance standpoint. You know, so what's your take there? Um, what, where's, uh, same thing when on the South side of things, I mean, Universal Guelph has done a few things with one diet versus 115 diets, one per day, same thing, same results. So what's, what's your take there based on all your vast knowledge and experience? What do you think of the pigs telling us? You know, and, you know it's, and it's funny you say that because, you know, Gary Ali, you know, one of the world's greatest nutritionists and in, in human beings, that was his famous line. I remember, you know, watch the pig. It'll tell you exactly what it needs. And, and again, just because we can do something and, and a p-value says it's significant, is it real in the barn? Is it economically real? Because again, you, you need to look at that whole system. So if I have you know, 11 different phases in, in, my, in my feeding program. At the end of the day, when I, when I put everything, the extra cost at the feed mill, the extra management in the barns, all those other things, is that going to make me more or less money? And, uh, and again, the pig will tell you that. And you, and you can get by with less. I mean, I look at my master's research in, in 83, 84, and it was on compensatory gain. And, and so we did in the nursery phase, we fed lysine deficient diets. And then to see if by the time they got to market weight, did they compensate? And as, as you said, the answer is yes. I mean, pigs are an incredible animal. They can, they can cover up a lot of sins. And if we just give them the, the basic right environment, they can do it. I love it. And that's, that's, I mean, what you said on the compensatory growth there, it's more often than people think, I, I think sometimes. Oh, it really is. And uh, yeah, I think that's something that we have to, Pay, pay a lot of influence to and and uh, Dr. John DeYoung, who works for Pipestone now, uh, actually got his bachelor's degree here. And so we had him come talk to our grad students. And it was like, okay, as you go through grad school, what were some of the classes you wish you had taken more of? And, and it was really pretty cool because his answer was economic classes. You know, understanding business, making business decision. Because again, you come out with a master's or PhD in swine nutrition, at most places, you understand that really, really, really well. You know, I can put together the world's best diet, but again, from, from a business standpoint, is it the right thing to do? And so I guess that would be, you know, for if there's any grad students watching this or people understand that's just not about nutrition, it's gotta be economically viable for it to make sense. Right, the biology, then implementation, ease of implementation, right? And the economics. Exactly. I mean, it's got to be optimum performance and not maximum performance. Right. Very cool. Uh, as we get closer to wrapping up here, uh, Dr. Tyler, if you had the opportunity to put something on a, a word or a sentence in a billboard that everyone, a lot of people around the globe would see it, what would it say? You know, what I, what I really think is, you know, we, we are here to serve. We're not here to be served. You know, again, God put, God put us here for a reason. And, and, and again, that's, you know, you and I both have traveled internationally and, uh, and unless you do that, you don't understand how blessed we are here in the United States, you know? And so uh, we can do a lot of good for a lot of people all over the world that don't have very much. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot smarter people than me all over the world that never had the opportunities that I have, you know, again, you know, the family I grew up with the opportunities to come to university and uh, we need to help those people out. So again, I think, you know, let's, let's look beyond ourselves 
and and let's figure out ways that that we can help other people all over the world and and that, again that's one of the great things about pork production number one consume meat in the world and, and if we can make differences in people's lives then then the end of the story is pretty darn good i love it and what you said i mean um people always talk about the one percent the richer one percent right yeah Yep. And I think virtually everyone or most people in the U.S. would be on the top 1% yep. wealth of the globe, yep. you know, which is crazy. So it's, it's, it gets very, very uh, heated conversation very quickly, but it's, uh, everything is relative, right? Oh, it is. And I still remember, so, you know, we always joke, so I met my wife here. Uh, I was finishing up my master's and, and she was finishing up her bachelor's degree. And she had already committed to the Peace Corps. So from 1984 to 85, she was in a village in Kenya, Africa. You know, and it, it was a pretty tough situation. And I'll never forget it. When, when Karen came back, she said, I will never say I need anything. She goes, those people know what need are. You know, anything that I think is a need is a want. You know, and that that's one of the things that, that has really stuck with me. So again... Uh, and she said the people in the village were incredibly happy. I mean, they didn't have anything, but they didn't have anything together. And they all worked together as a community. And, and so that's one thing that's always stuck with me. You know, how do we, how do we give back? And, uh, you know, again, I look at Dr. Wallstrom, one of, the, one of the greatest men out there. And he and his wife, Lorraine, that was their whole life. It was, it was giving back. And they, and they did it a lot of different ways. But, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, Karen and I can do that. And hopefully, that's what, what everybody feels like they should do as well. Super powerful. It is time to our famous three. Since 1971, Zinpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. Very good, Dr. Thaler. The last three questions we have here, I ask every guest, and one is, what's your favorite uh, pig-related book or resource? Actually, one that, that I use a lot, you know, actually is the National Swine Nutrition Guide. You know, uh, it's, you know, we had, it was great because it's written by, I think we had 11 or 12 different land-grant universities in it. Uh, that's a tremendous resource because it's really production-based. But what, what's interesting and, and how time flies, right? You know, I've been here 32 years. NRC was done in 2012. National Swine Guide was done in 2010. You know, and then you look at how performance has changed, both on the sow side and, and, and the piglet size in those 10 years. So are those, are those two publications still valid today? And so uh, we've got to figure that out, but that, that's what I use a lot. Right, um, yeah. D did you hear anything? I haven't heard anything I think about Next NRC, any? I have not, you know, and to be quite honestly, you know, you got to give Hans Stein a lot of, a lot of credit for that because uh, nothing was really moving, and, and he got the, the ball moving on the 2012 NRC. I think if Hans hadn't pushed it, it probably you know, wouldn't have happened for a while. Interesting. Interesting. Is that, a more, is that something that's more university-driven, that push, or, or you need some approval from the government type? I don't yep, know. It's, yep, the NRC is through like the USDA, I think, you know, and uh, 
But again, our government unfortunately moves pretty slow, but I think Hans stepped up and I don't know if he, if he found financial support or whatever for it, but he pulled it together. And, and so probably we're gonna need somebody to, to start doing it again, because again, you know, it's, it's a multiple year process to, to get this done. So even if they started working on it today, it may not be to 2022 or 23 before it comes out. So uh, we, we always have to make sure we've got the latest and greatest out there for people to make the right decisions. Right, completely agree. And just one comment on the NRC, that Excel spreadsheet model, uh, especially the finishing side, if you adjust the parameters for like linking and intake, it's actually pretty darn spot on for lysine and phosphorus and most nutrients, um, which is amazing, uh, robust too. Yep. Good. Yes. Super cool, Dr. Tyler. How about a book or resource uh, not related to agriculture, but in general then? You know, I'm a Christian, so I like to read the Bible. You know, I think there's a lot, a lot of great answers in there. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's good to read a lot of back books. I mean, you know, read the history of people you really admire, you know, and you're going to learn a lot from them. I mean, I was, I was flying somewhere, you stop at the airport and go, you go through there and I found a book about Andrew Jackson. And I didn't know that much about Andrew Jackson. Uh, but when you read it, uh, a tremendous individual, but, you know, some of the quotes that his family had in there about it, you know, when his, when his mom sent him off at 16. But I think, you know, take a look and read biographies or autobiographies of, of people you admire, or uh, I think those are some really good things to do. I love it. I've been meaning to read the Benjamin Franklin one for a while. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Hamilton, you know, if you don't want to read the book, go to the play. But I mean, you look at the founding fathers, there were some incredibly uh, impressive individuals there who sacrificed a lot. And we, we don't get that part of it, you know? Uh, and so I think those things are really good to do. Awesome. And then lastly, what do you think sets apart a uh, successful, and I know we touched you know, a lot of points, but uh, as a wrap up here, what do you think sets apart successful swine professionals from those that are not? You know, I think what, what really helps you be successful is to understand that you don't know all the answers, you know, and, and build a team and everybody check your ego at the door and, and, and ask for advice. You know, I've, luckily I've been married for 34 years. I know I don't have all the answers, even when I think I do, but, you know, work. And again, uh, that's, I think that's how you get really successful because what you do is you, you look at it from a lot of different perspectives. And again, you know, we're getting really down the road in, in, in swine nutrition that, you know, we need to pull the reproductive physiologists in as well. So it's not just, okay, you know, here's how I feed them in gestation, what's happened hormonally and, and what impacts do those have? So I think, you know, bringing those teams together, just don't bring three nutritionists in, you know, get a nutritionist and a meat science guy and an immunologist and, and the reproductive physiologist and, and these other things, get to know your colleagues from other countries, because again, different schools of thought, and it doesn't hurt to ask anything, but you know, if you're truly going to get the right answer, park the ego at the door and, and build some really good teams. I love it. I love it. Completely agree. Now I do have a last question for you, okay. which is what's, um, I mean, for example, K-State has been extremely successful having a very strong and large group of soil nutritionists. What's that balance between, right? Having many nutritionists, which I like it, and, and I think so where where's that balance from? Uh, if, if other folks around the globe are just you know building their, their their departments, what's your take there? You know, it's and that was you know one of the other things that Gary Alley 
talked about. And he goes, you know, it's, it's the infamous bell-shaped curve, right? You know, and, you know, he's left in the middle and the right. And he goes, and that's the way with swine programs, swine nutrition programs as well. You know, and if, if you think about it, if you look at one of the top swine nutrition programs in the U.S. in, in the 80s, you know, it would have been University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I mean, Austin Lewis and Ernie Payo and, you know, Mike Brum was there. I mean, Donald, and you just go down and it was the center of swine nutrition. And, you know, for a lot of different reasons, when, uh, when those positions left, I mean, Phil Miller is really the only swine nutritionist left, left at Lincoln, you know, and then, and Gary told me, he said, you know, you know, in, in the 70s, South Dakota State had a really good reputation with Rick and George, and that was kind of going down, and, you know, Kansas State was moving up, and, and they're right on top of that bell-shaped curve now, and, and again, and you and I both know it's all about people, you know, and if you want to have successful programs, you bring the right people on board, yeah, you work together, and then when those, if those people move on, then you find other, other ones to, to fill it. The, the advantage of about a team, I think, is you can go in a lot of different directions. You know, if you're an individual faculty member, if you've got your one lab and you don't work with anybody else, or you don't have the opportunity, you just can't look at as many different things. And so I think if you're an individual lab, you can look at one question and get really deep into it, but you just don't have the resources or the time to look at uh, a much broader span. I love it. Awesome, Dr. Bob Taller. Thanks so much for all your insights today. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven-week-long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcio Gonçalves, and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.